Father, thank you for this opportunity to hang out with Ryan. Thank you for the opportunity to record and just have a good time. Thank you for safe traveling mercies and Robin and Tyler. And we'll have a great time heading to SeaWorld. May they not get beached, if you know what I mean. Christ's name. I'm in. <laughs> he's going to be the Shamu to her seal. Yeah, he's going to be the Shamu to her seal. Yeah, anyways. <clears throat> <coughs> Welcome back to Absurdity. My name is Ryan Becker, and I am joined by my time-traveling co-host, Henry Johnson. Henry and I haven't seen each other uh, for a long time. Actually, I, I can't remember the last time. I mean, we've seen each yeah, other, but, like but in yeah. person. I don't Correct. know when the last time. I don't remember. I don't think it was this. No, it was this calendar year. I feel like I saw you once this calendar year, maybe. No, no, yeah, it was. Well, was it? Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Uh, now I'm remember. trying to think because the last time was right before COVID was hitting. Because remember, we went looking for toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, but that so, was then. That was that was over a year ago. So we're doing great. <laughs> we're doing. If great. we didn't have a podcast, we wouldn't get to talk to one another. It's kind of sad. So. What's cool is we're actually, so Henry was in town for an event, and so he bunked up with me, and so if you're watching this on YouTube, things look a little differently, because we're in my living room, and this is the first time we've done Absurdity with a two-camera setup, so uh, this is brand new for us, and I am actually thrilled to have Henry here, and the reason I said he's time-traveling is because he has spent 30 of the last, or what, no, 40 of the last... 30 hours traveling, basically. It feels uh, that way, yes. Uh, he was in a, another country for two weeks visiting some, uh, some in-laws. That's correct. And traveled back overseas, got into the States, ba and, and got home bas after a nightmarish trip. Traveling in the COVID era, post-COVID, whatever we want to call this now, is an interesting experience. And then getting back in, sleeping for a few hours, and then driving four hours over to here for an event. Yes. You and I talked for like four hours last night after you got here, and then you went to sleep late, and now we're recording. So this is uh, this is how this is how we roll. Um, yes, and I'm not sick. If I sound congested, it's because after 27 hours straight of breathing through the same face mask, because you can't take it off in the airport, and you can't take it off on the plane, you can't, you just don't take it off. Yep. It's like it's congested my head with my own breath. It is a very weird mm -hmm. experience. So Yeah, and so we're going to pick right back up where we left off. And if you're curious as to what happened, uh, why we weren't posting for a few weeks, uh, I got hit with some serious burnout uh, from other things happening in my life, not podcast-related, but uh, basically it was, it was a chore to get myself to do anything uh, outside of work, sleep, and one other thing that I was able to to pick up recently, and it's just because I've been making up for lost time with it. But the reality is, I I dropped the ball, and so we're picking right back up, and we're going to keep moving forward just like always. So uh, don't worry, this isn't like last year where that happens, and then a month later it happens again. We are picking back up uh, right where we left off. But I'm back in country to hold him accountable, folks. I couldn't help him when I was seven hours ahead and. Yeah, that's actually facts. Um, it, and things were busy enough that there was no... I love the strength of our friendship, but now we've found a weakness, which is we don't have to talk all the time, so we don't talk all the time, and then... And then, yeah, anyway. Um, so the other thing that I've gotten back into is tennis. And for those who've been long time... It's quite time, a racket. Thank you. And I hate you. Get out of my house. <laughs> I can now say get out of my house. This is great. But you so, didn't have the balls to take that joke? No, I did not. Um, the, the, for those who were long time, that completely threw me off. For those who are long time listeners of, of the show, and I promise this is relevant to our topic today. Uh, I sustained some back problems starting back in 2017 and I'm someone who, when I was in college, I was playing soccer and uh, tennis and uh, futsal, 
which is just indoor soccer, but I was moving a lot. I was actually, I graduated college 40 pounds underweight, but it wasn't like I was not eating. It was just, I was very slim because the sports I play require you to be lean, not bulky. And then when I was, uh, when I was out in South Carolina and I was pastoring full time, I, uh, sustained an injury while mountain biking. And it's been a, it's been a nasty four years since pretty much every day, uh, has been a day in back pain or some pain related to it. So sciatic or otherwise it's been a journey and I don't talk about it often cause I don't like to annoy people with it. So if you think I talk about it a lot now, that's me holding, like that's been me holding it back. Uh, but a few weeks ago I got connected with uh, a new medical care provider who is the first person to look at my neck as the potential problem rather than just the low back. And uh, I'm on a path. I've made more improvements in the last three weeks than I have in the last four years combined. And so I started picking up tennis again, which I love. And as a result of that, I started watching tennis and watch just in time to catch Wimbledon finals and watching uh, the Olympics as well. And I, I had repressed that part of me for four years because I, if I watch something, I want to go do it. And if I can't go do it, then I get really frustrated and it just reminds me of the situation I'm in, right? So I hadn't watched anything for four years. I hadn't kept up. I missed some of the greatest tennis ever from the big three uh, during that time. And watching the Olympics was just in time for me to catch the, uh, for me to catch the Simone Biles news of her withdrawing from uh, pretty much all gymnastics competitions uh, in it, it the wasn't Olympics. All of them, I know, but I think it was, it was a lot of the like the beam finals and things like that. Yeah. So. so she withdrew herself from competing in the finals of the individual all around competition, and she cited her mental health and that she was experiencing a, pheno- a phenomenon known as the twisties, which is a phenomenon where a gymnast loses awareness of where they are in the air when doing acrobatic moves with twisting elements. <laughs> which is, um, let's just point this out for a minute. Deadly when you have a beam underneath yep. you and a long drop. So I, first of all, I'm amazed they can even do all that spatially. I mean, even if I didn't have the twisties, I would still break my neck and and die, which is why I'm not on the Olympic gymnastics team. Never will be. But I, I'm just saying, people are like, well, why couldn't she put through? You really want to see her snap in half on a hobble, hobby horse or whatever they yeah. call it? I mean, they're on a. What is it? I'm mixing all my sports. Uh, you can high tell horse, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the pommel beam or pommel horse is what that is, and then they have a high beam, and then they're... Yeah, anyway, I, I, the... I, it's not that I want to make light of this. I just want to point out that I feel like this just describes me every day minus the acrobatic moves with twisting <laughs> elements. Uh, I just lose awareness <laughs> of where I am at any given time. There's a joke that... Uh, it's not even a joke. It's a real thing that ADHD, people with ADHD don't have uh, object permanence which is why we take so many notes. It's why we uh, have like, it's why we're so cluttered. It's, and everything has to be visual. It's because if we don't see it, it, it doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. And like uh, our friendship and, uh, and toddlers. <laughs> so the, <laughs> I, I, I am a toddler, the, but this is serious. Uh, this is absolutely serious. This is as serious as whatever this ambulance going by outside is going by for <laughs> my house has terrible insulation and soundproofing. And the road is like, 30 feet from my house. So the reason I want to bring this up is because Simone Biles has faced a ton of criticism for her decision to withdraw. And uh, Naomi Osaka, a tennis player, uh, faced a ton of criticism for the way that she withdrew from the French Open, citing her mental health as well. Yes. And wanting to take care of herself. And I think talking about the pressure that is not just on athletes, but I think this is that's an important thing to talk about and, and try and talk through this. I, I want it to also kind of be a, a springboard into maybe a bigger conversation around that as well. And, and what empathy looks like, but yeah, all the armchair, all the armchair analysts, which we are uh, absolutely a part of right now. Yes. Um, but all the, the negative ones, all the critics have come out and stating, you know, she should have, she should have still competed and how dare she cost the U S you know, gold, or we could have done so much better. And we because somehow the U S is standing in the world is diminished because of our Olympic team. Yes, absolutely. And the of wokeness. all the things that would diminish us, yep. uh, you're going to point to the Olympics and the and wokeness of the, uh, of the Olympics team. Remember yes. that one as well. Yes. The wokeness, the wokeness, uh, the besides COVID killing everything in Tokyo, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I think this is a really important conversation because I think that there's a huge misunderstanding of the pressure 
that is on someone in her position to when you factor in things like the fact or, or like the entire scandal around uh, the U.S. gymnastics and, and Olympic or U.S. gymnastics organization and coaches sexually abusing their uh, gymnasts, of which she was one, not coach, but a gymnast, obviously. Right. But I, I begs being being clarified. Uh, the coming into the next Olympics after all of that happens and inarguably the the best gymnast on the planet, basically, uh, the amount of pressure that you face is immense to then have something even slightly go wrong during that time is, and when it matters the most, I'm really glad that she is taking the time and she's prioritizing her mental health and her long-term health over a few events. Yeah. And I get that she's working, she's worked her whole life basically to prepare for these events, but the rest of your life is not worth the one in my opinion anyway. So I'm really glad to see when, when someone does withdraw for mental health reasons and they're able to state that and, and without having to go too personal with it. And I think we need more role models who are willing and able to do that and prioritize right. their long-term health over the glory of one event. Yeah. So, yeah, what are your thoughts here? I'd be curious to know. Well, I mean, there's so many, and I'm trying to figure out. There's, I probably have only one negative comment. I'm trying to figure out, can I get it out of the way early so that the rest of this seems more constructive? Yes, and, is the answer. That, well, yeah, building, and, and, and this might be a good segue to also talk about some of the things we do to ourselves, and I want to show empathy with this, but, like, the only thing I remember when, I, when this started coming out on the news, which, of course, was interesting for me because this was all happening in the news when I'm in another country, watching their coverage of the Olympics. So, you know, I'm used to the U.S.-centric view of the Olympics. And it was kind of weird being the lone American sitting in a spot and being like, trying to see, why don't you put the camera back on the American? I want to see, are they going to win? You know, and, and they're looking at their athletes. And I'm like, no, go get back. I need to see what, <laughs> I want to watch the whole thing with the Olympic gymnastics team, right? You know, not just, yeah. now they've moved to whatever the other guy is or girl. Uh, th that being said, I remember the one thing that initially struck me and this might be, I'm sure this is where some criticism is coming, but I, I'm sure it's being done in a not very empathetic or constructive way. And I want to be careful to make the comment, but be constructive with it. I don't understand the pressures, obviously, of being the best at something on a global stage. And as you said, That's she's already... That's not true, been, Henry. You are the best at being you. Okay, well, there's that, but I don't win gold medals for it because I didn't have overly helicopter parents. Okay, so, fair, fair enough. Um, no, right, you just got not, participation medals. No, I didn't either because the 80s and the early 90s were not when people did that. So anyway, <laughs> that's come later. But what, I, what I'm saying is it, it most everyone has recognized that she is at the phenomenal peak of her career, of her ability, of her form, which is part of why she's getting so much press coverage over this and why everyone mm -hmm. wants to have a debate and an argument about that. To that end, there was a point even before the Olympics where people were openly calling her the GOAT of the sport. And if you don't know what that acronym means, it means greatest of all time, right? The GOAT. It came out of American football and is kind of now entered common vernacular across sports. That being said, I can't imagine the pressures of having the media and everybody else call you the GOAT or, or something. Mm -hmm. And then that need to live up to the hype or to do whatever. And here's where the one negative comes in. I, I had to catch myself and force myself to step back and not immediately be the armchair person and have some empathy because when she first made the comments and it was in the news that she's pulling out because of whatever, there was a, let's be honest, there was the gut in me that did not feel for her at first mm. because I had remembered an interview she had given, and I haven't watched all of them, obviously. I don't follow yeah. women's gymnastics that much, but I remember one that just happened to be on the television at one point before I left the country leading up to the Olympics where she was basically bragging about being the goat. Mm -hmm. She was actually adopting that nomenclature and, and talking about it in the context of, yeah, I know I'm the goat and I'm going to perform for my country and I'm going to whatever. And I remember my first thought was, you've done this to yourself. Now, that wasn't fair, but I'm just saying my first yeah, yeah, thought that's... was like, well, it'd be one thing if everybody was saying that and you had to live up to that pressure, but you owned it. Yeah, You decided to take that language and go, yeah, I know. 
I'm the goat. And I know that's extremely unfair to her, so I do want to admit that on screen. That's extremely well, unfair when You can't I'm always not... control your first thought. That's I, that's right. the bottom line. Whatever your first reaction is, that's yes, it can tell you something about your own heart that you can listen to and right. and learn from, but ultimately it's your first th- I it's your first thought. Yeah, and, and that was. And my first thought was I feel sorry for you, but I would feel more sorry for you had you not taken that almost it seemed to me egotistically and been like, yeah, I know I'm the best. I'm mm. like, well, then you set yourself up for that pressure. Yeah. It's one thing to be like, everybody's demanding this of me. And how can any human being live up to this? It's another thing to be like, yeah, I know they're right. And I am the best. And and again, I don't understand those pressures because I don't have people telling me that all the time. And, and I get it's a fine line. And so, you know, in, in longer thought to it, part of me is thought, if I had to criticize anything, Again, without an educated background, it would be, I don't know if I would have gone that far, but I've not had that. No one's ever claimed that for me to be able to have the ability to own it. Mm. I don't know. And one thing we also forget is that a lot of these decisions are not fully the athletes. They have media managers. They have team managers. They have, I don't know if somebody in a bunch of suits with a bunch of stuff even went to her and was like, you need to own this because it's going to be good for getting you on a Wheaties box. I, I don't. I don't know, because I'm not her. So also being fair, as I thought about it more, I don't know if someone told her to own that, Mm. and it wasn't her that decided to, quote, own that title. I don't know. And so at that point, I was like, I could say that, but I can only deal in what little information I have. And I think the more important debate, if we are going to debate, well, she shouldn't have claimed that or not, I think a good point I'd love your feedback on, too, and kind of kick it back over to you is what does that say about the pressures? You know, you just talked about burnout with yourself. What does this say about the pressures that we give into and then further mm. victimize ourselves with? So in other words, I'm sure she was under a lot of mm. pressures. I know she didn't ask to be called the goat, but could there be something to be said about her getting into the twisties or whatever? Does any part of it being she eventually caved to the hype people where there was so much pressure on her that then you just maybe do you try and like ride it thinking like the old phrase, if I hold the tail of the tiger, then at least it can't put yeah. me in its mouth. And then do we join in our own victimization? I, I don't know if there's I, any aspect of that or. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can see someone kind of a fake it till you make it thing of she owns that she's the goat because she is trying to be confident. She's yeah. trying to live into that reality and trying to adopt it, not necessarily claiming it out loud in a way of like, there are things that I've said or I've psyched myself up for so that I could get myself to accept the reality right. or the pressure or whatever that comes with it. But there's another element of this that I, that I'm, my heart goes out to her for. However, it's slightly conjecture. Right. Um, the, the conjecture here is there's no way for us to verify unless Simone herself comes out on this. And back in 2016, there was a leak of medical records for several Olympians. Hers were included. And it was revealed that she was on uh she was on Ritalin for ADHD. So already personal, like a personal attachment here. And the problem is that in Japan, Ritalin, any ADHD medication basically, I'm pretty sure, is banned. On top of the fact that there uh there is several issues with performance enhancing drugs and and you get into this gray area of is it a performance enhancing drug, drug. and well let's ask the Russian Olympic Committee yeah right oh. um the the problem I know somebody's on there like see that's such an American response sorry I'm just <laughs> <laughs> except for the huge contingent of Americans that would rather wear a shirt that say or would would wear a shirt that says I would rather be Russian than a Democrat so the intense irony of that, by the way, or of there's nothing more patriotic than boycotting your your nation in the Olympics because you don't like that they have that individual athletes have things to say about the state of the world and their life experience. So at least you can say it in Soviet Russia. You not speak. They speak you. <laughs> I love old Soviet Russia jokes so much in Soviet Russia. Old Soviet Russia jokes love you. See, that's what I I love these. Um, in Japan, all all ADHD medications are banned, and there is a personal exemption that I'm gonna say for national athletes, teams and stuff. It was <clears throat> yes, there are. It's this is where it's conjecture. It's unclear if she was able to secure that. Right, we don't know. And the HIPAA issue laws is in this country. 
I I don't take my ADHD medication on the weekends, uh, mainly because I do want to feel its effectiveness a little like you can get used to that as a state of being. But on the weekends, I am, uh, it's not that I'm a completely different person, but it's a, it is a lot harder for me to get out of bed. It's a lot harder for me to focus on things, be productive. It's a lot harder for me to have normal conversations. It really makes me aware and more appreciative of how far I've come when I, when I enter back into some of the, the realities of my life prior to medication. And Henry, I remember the very, di- the very next day after I started ADHD, my ADHD medication, which I won't say publicly what it is because I want people to go and do their own research, talk to their own doctor. Their own yeah. yeah, so don't just take something because I take it. So I'm just saying... And they haven't sponsored our podcast, so forget yeah. it. You ain't getting um, mention. The... <laughs> The fair, um, we are in the U S so that's actually a thing. Um, I remember talking with you over the phone the very next day and you were blown away because I could hold a single train of thought for more than 90 seconds. Yes. And I was like, I never even realized that was a problem before. Like it never even clicked in my mind that that was a problem. And when that happened and, and when this came up, I, that's when I started to realize all of the different things that everyone else could always do. And it was normal for them, but I just assumed I, I couldn't do, or I didn't. And then ADHD medication helped me function normally because it's not that my, my brain is lesser or that I am disabled, but rather my brain doesn't produce the same kind or the same quantities of chemicals that other, that, that a neurotypical brain would. And so what, if you want to call it a performance enhancing drug, you can, but it's, but to me, it's, if the baseline is here, me on ADHD is here in many ways and taking medication helps me get to the baseline that everyone else has. All it does is even the playing field for me. I can say, and I, and I know I'm not, this isn't a medical assessment at all. I would almost claim that rather than anything wrong with you, it's actually dragging you back to a level where we can all, we have an ability to with you because I like to say ADHD your brain is moving much faster than your processing ability I like to say mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense it slows you back down to where we're at the playing field instead of you yes. thinking I'm here and it puts me here I think you were like here and it drags you back to well, where yeah, we can I mean, interact there, there's with something the to be said about ADHD up to the point I got diagnosed of is the reason I'm as skilled in as many things as I like, am it, like that's what I'm saying there's many strengths to it mm-hmm. many but at the same time it does come with many problems and imagine Great responsibility. So imagine yeah. you've been on prescription medication every day for years. And then as the goat you with show the pressure up of the glo- of 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 a global event and then they take the pill away. And then you have to also adjust to not being able to take your medication. And we don't know that's what happened. Like this I is said, all conjecture, we, we, but but if that happened to me there's not even a conversation anymore. Yeah. If that is ever confirmed that she was not able to be on her prescription medication, there would be the caveat of did she have ample time to adapt prior to right. like did she stop leading up and either taper off or like I'm gonna say because the teams know. have been in Japan for almost a month, haven't they? Yeah. Prior to the game, so um, they can adjust and do whatever. But with those schedules, that's still hard to do. Like right, adjusting right. while you're in doing intense training and practice is is very, very hard. And that only gets ramped up as you get closer to the event. It, the anxiety, the emotions, the processing, that's a massive struggle. And to me, there is no more conversation if that is the case. Like, if that was actually true, the, the episode would be done. I, I would have said this in the first five minutes. Yeah, and be, be like, done. anyone who disagrees is wrong. I don't know what to tell you, but factually you're wrong because of what the brain goes through in that time. Either way, I think even if she accepted it, if you have a bad day at mm-hmm. work, you get to go home and you get to try again the next day. Yeah, because nobody put a camera in my face and then recorded every little thing I said. And as I said, that's where the unfairness yep. is too. Okay, she admitted it in that interview. Well, she gave 5 billion interviews that day. I don't know if the one I saw was the only mm-hmm. time she... Again, we don't know those things. Well, and you... If that happens, you... If, if you have a bad day at work or you you mess up at work, you don't lose your ankle over it 
or you don't have a career-ending injury or break because, your neck. Yeah, yeah, because you had a because oh, yeah, or a life-ending injury because you had a bad All day. All with a billion people watching. Yeah. you break your neck. Yeah. Yes, exactly, and it's it's a no-brainer to me. And sure, you can bring up those uh, you know Olympic heroes of old, like Carrie, uh, last name gymnast who did her final vault on a on a broken ankle in. The 1996 Olympics, I believe. Well, that was the Magnificent Seven, and that's what I was yeah. going to say. There was Dominique Monsau, or I can't remember her last name, or how to pronounce it at least. It was like Dominique. She was Carrie like 14. Strug, or Strug was the gymnast I was thinking of specifically. Right, and I and there was another story I was going to bring up from that group in 96, because I lived in Georgia at the time, and I remember us going like, yeah, let's go to Atlanta for the Olympics. That would be cool. And, of course, we were there the day before the bombing. If you mm. remember that, if you're old enough to remember, there was a guy with a backpack that blew it up in the Olympic Park right there. But uh, such a long time ago. Well, I mean, that used to be the thing we were worried about. Yep. Uh, and, and I remember she was talking a comment about Simone and all that. She's like, I didn't get this opportunity to be able to withdraw or have an off day. Like, she's like, I felt like I. they found out after the Olympics she had like some sort of fracture in her ankle, too. And she just had to push through it. She's like, she collapsed in a training three weeks before the Olympics. And all she can remember is that, you know, I don't cry in front of the staff because they're going to tear me a new one because we got to perform in three weeks. Yep. And dragging herself off the floor and crying in the bathroom and then coming back and pushing through the pain to do the event. Because apparently they wouldn't even give them Tylenols or things either because they're so worried about dope testing coming up to the Olympics. So... You know, that is something to be said a little off topic, but let's let's give credit where it's due, and it could be, I'm sure we could read into it, well, it's because of all the bad publicity the U.S. gymnastics team has had and the organization in the last few years. I don't know what the reason is, but the fact that they would allow her to withdraw herself mm-hmm. and not just shove her into the competition anyway, well, if you break something, that's your fault. You know, I mean, they didn't get that option in years past. Yep. I mean, think about all the abuse we've talked about in U.S. gymnastics anyway. That, I mean, and that's not just physical or sexual abuse. I mean, there's tons of gymnasts and other things that have come forward and been like the pressure of I have to perform and I'm a slave to the organization and I either put up or I'm put out. Yep. You know, so. Well, and there's another layer of this, too, with her being a person of color. Mm. And you can say all you want, oh, you're race baiting or I'm making this about race. I'm really, I'm really not. Because you can actually track this pretty well. If you look at Novak Djokovic, arguably the greatest tennis player of all time, which really hurts me to say because I'm a Federer guy. Um, Nadal, baby. But Djokovic tied for 20 grand slams, which is still unheard of that three people, one person has it, let alone three people now have 20 grand slam wins. Yeah, they're all right in up tennis. on each other. I just... And Djokovic ju- just got that at Wimbledon. He's going for the Golden Slam, which is winning all grand slams and the Olympics. In the same year. Uh, so Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon, Olympics, and U.S. Open. It is grueling to do that. And Djokovic was on track to do it. And he was playing really well in the first rounds of the Olympics. Basically crashed and burned. Didn't even get a medal for singles. And for some reason, by the way, decided to also play doubles for his country. In the year where he's trying to go for the Golden Slam. Just baffles me, th- uh, that decision. He doesn't get a medal. He's slamming rackets. He's throwing them into the stands. And what he's known for doing, he got disqualified from last year's U.S. Open because he hit a, he hit a ball out of frustration into a, ju- a line judge <laughs> and was immediately disqualified. Regardless of, he didn't mean to hit the judge. Doesn't matter. You hit a judge, like... Yeah, it was the intent of... Yeah, the, you... Yeah. The, the... He pulls out of the doubles... Uh, I think it's the doubles semifinal... Um, because of the basically of losing all of his medals. And I think there's, there might be a slight injury also in that it lodged in there in the complaint of like, he's saying he was he, he was injured or a slight injury. Um, but for the most part, he was defeated. I mean, bottom line is you can watch him even in, in the semifinal or in the third place match. And he was, I, he was just not there. Yeah. And there has been some backlash against him doing that, but it's mostly just calling him dumb, not really like feeling like he was a letdown to his country or anything like that. Like I've intentionally looked yeah, for this just, stuff. They'll just, they'll just go, well, that's him. That's yes. 
And then you have Simone Biles do this, which, by the way, one of the things that she said, I was watching a press conference she did recently, and she mentioned, she's like, I decided to pull out so that the rest of my team could medal. Because if I mess up, our scores go down too as a team. So it's like... Well, isn't... But isn't this interesting this has happened at the same time, not to switch topic again. No, no, you're but fine. Like, like political discourse in the U.S. in the last four years especially... And longer than that, but it was just it was just more apparent. I mean, we've really adapted the Ubermacht yep. mentality, even in sports, where you have to dominate and always be the best and always be strong and never show any weakness or whatever else. And that's what represents the country. That's what represents success. That's what whatever. So for someone that supposedly is the best to then turn around and show weakness, which like you and I have discussed, I, if it's ADHD or something, I don't think that's a weakness. And I think we need to stop looking at it like that. This is even more Correct. amazing that they have overcome all of this to still achieve what they're doing or, or, or whatnot. But has she also been subject to part of the reason why you're getting all this negativity in the press and whatnot is now she is not meeting the superhero status that our political culture has expected. Mm -hmm. Add to that also the political culture right now in race relations. So as you said, she's a person of color. <laughs> Throw that in there, too. So there are certain segments of the population that are already like, well, she's a person of color, so that's a letdown. Oh, great. Now you let down the country because you can't be a superhero and do whatever else. Blah, 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 and you want special exemption for whatever. I don't get special exemption because I didn't get the... Yeah. And, and all, it's like she stepped into a lethal cocktail of just all sorts of expectations that could not be met by anybody. No. she. And what gets me is the... You just alluded to it. You just referenced this crowd, and I can't stand this crowd. I cannot stand the crowd that says, I didn't get mine, so you can't have yours. Yeah. I can't stand that crowd. You know what that crowd is? That's the crowd that uh, that's full of parents who say, I want my kid's life to be better than mine and not them not to have the same struggles I had. But when it becomes better than theirs... Suddenly they're, they're petty, they're jealous, they're controlling, they're yeah. abusive, and they will actively get in their child's way so that they better appreciate all of the work that that their parents did for them. that life takes. That kid like, didn't ask to be born, so they don't owe you anything for raising it. Like, I don't, I don't like, for, for raising them. Like, you made a choice, and you took on responsibility for yourself. Them pursuing something, and them being able to pursue things because of what you did, that's a sign of a job well done not a sign for you to be petty about it. But this, it's the same thing with talking about federal loan forgiveness, or to, which I don't even qualify for, by the way, because I refinance my loans. But I talk about it. I'd be fully game for a federal loan forgiveness program outside of the public service one. But um, you know what? That's not fair, Ryan, because I did. What if I pay all off, of my yeah. loans paid? What if I, I pay off all of mine? I debt right now, so do I get my 100K? Yeah, I, I don't understand why, like, this is so good for you. I'm glad that you did that. Like, I know not you specifically, but it's right. just like, why can't Thanks, you Mom just be happy for someone else? For like, why is this so hard? I don't, even with the vaccine, <laughs> uh, the COVID vaccine, that's free. Other people paid for me to get it. And I partially paid for me to get it also. But like, oh, taxes. Um, but we suddenly were not okay with any portion of our money going or any portion of anything we do going to help someone else or someone else getting something. If I don't get it too, it's the equivalent of showing up to someone else's birthday party and expecting a gift for and you then being upset when they only give gifts to the person whose birthday it is. Yeah. Like it's not about you and not everything has to be about you. I, but we live in a narcissistic world where we cherish the people that are the most stuck mm -hmm. up. Like instead of just the corn cob in somewhere that the sun doesn't shine, we have the whole field. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yep. And you can say that she choked. I don't think that she choked. Like you can, I guess there's a technical argument for the if term. If she was choking, she was choking on all the bull crap people were dumping on her by the yep. truckload. And that's my thing. I think choking, yeah, choked is a bad word. I've seen some people use it and like, let's, let's, you know, say it like it is and, and, you know, call it like it is. But choking is a different, has a completely different connotation than withdrawing for your mental health. And like I said, I think we need more role models who are willing to do so. Well, isn't it, isn't it kind of poetic that this whole discussion in the sport world started just uh, like several weeks ago by a Japanese tennis star? And now this discussion is happening again in Japan. 
Yeah. Like I, I, I do find that ironically sweet, right? Yes. That so it took a Japanese athlete discussing this and getting a bunch of garbage for it. Who, by the way, that athlete was also a person of color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, and she set the stage for an American athlete in her own home country, you know, in Japan, to now take similar steps. And I yep. almost wonder if that had not been done in Wimbledon, would this had been an option that she yeah. felt able to take? I don't know. Well, there's 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 so much scrutiny around there's so much scrutiny around athletes of color. There's a ton of it. And that goes back to Colin Kaepernick. That goes back I mean, that goes back very far. Don't worry, we made sure he can't play ever again. Yeah, right. I and and it it's so frustrating to me. Now I will say the conversation did start this year with with Naomi Osaka. Yes. And I will say that Naomi has a bit of a different a, a different spin on, on this. Uh, 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 mainly because she did she actually wrote an article for Time uh titled It's Okay to or it's it's okay not to be okay. And and her thing of course wasn't withdrawing from competition. It was she didn't want to subject herself to the press conferences yes. which was actually a contractual obligation. So that would be a different topic probably for uh, you know, another time. Simone wasn't pulling out of something she was contractually objugated. That's a different blurring of words. Uh, obligated to do. Uh, yeah. You know, she was just, she was fearful of her own health and safety physically and emotionally. So, yeah. But the problem is that Naomi sort of misrepresented the way that she withdrew and the way that she announced what her intent. Mm-hmm. Um, in her time article versus what she actually did. And a lot of people, it was more so about the way that she did it versus uh, because she basically announced this, but didn't, wouldn't talk to anyone about it. There was no conversation. All right. And then the tennis federation like was pleading to talk to her. Or yeah. Something, like she basically, like, she know said, what's going on? no, we- the media, su- this is, this is unfair. I'm not going to say it that way, but it, essentially it was, I don't want to do this. I don't think we should be subjected to this. I think we need a reform in the way this happens. And I'm All taking fair to say, and I won't go to any media press or press conferences and then um, shut everyone out so that she can't continue the conversation yeah. that she started. That she said she wanted to participate in. So that even when the Federation was like, we will, let's have this conversation, please. And they're like, yeah. we haven't heard from her. She won't talk. And she withdrew because she really, I mean, rules are rules, contractual obligations are contractual obligations. Yeah, and you have if she to wasn't going to do that, you're going to take and doing If whatever. she wasn't going to do the press, she was going to be continually fined. Fined, yeah. And she chose to withdraw. And that's fine. And I'm glad that she decided to take personal time. And I actually agree with the overall thrust of her article uh, in time. Um, but I do think she's going to like that right argument differently. Bad execution whereas simone let's give her credit she walked back out after she withdrew from everything and didn't make it all the story all about now she'll look at her absence she's not yeah. here then she come back out and like cheer on the rest of the team mm-hmm. and it's not like she still stayed around she still talked to the press she still did yeah. what she had to well and, and let's be clear simone's issue wasn't with the press naomi's Correct. was but naomi shut out everyone Yes. It wasn't just the press. The press she shut the, out the tennis federation, correct. everybody. Yeah. And that's where that's where the problem was there. So I, I do want to be fair in that, that there was there's a way to do things too. Uh, but I I agree with Naomi's overall thrust, and I'm glad that she started the the conversation on on media and you press. You agree with what she was serving? I mean, yes, I do. I do very much. I um I won't give a backhanded compliment to her for sure. The if you see some of the questions that people ask, it's I insane. Say Forty love to you. Um, it is insane. There was a nice. There was a uh, Daniel Danny Medvedev who is one of the top ten. I'm pretty sure top ten uh, Med- ranked tennis Medvedev, players. Technically, is the yeah. Term. I don't know. Yeah. I yes, correct. This is what happens when you haven't followed a sport in four years because you couldn't play the sport, and that's just how I function. So See, if that I've was the actually case, never, I wouldn't watch any sport because yeah. all the sports I watch, I can't play. <laughs> but there is a nice. Um, there is a there is a a clip from the Olympics where he's from Russia and he is he was asked by a by a reporter basically like something to the effect of how does it feel to be doing this when 
when your country has this reputation now. Yeah. It, the, the country, the, the question was worded. It was, it would have been a fair yeah, question what, if it was, was worded was this better. The question though, that didn't they word it to him after that American swimmer was like, I would feel a whole lot better if I wasn't competing with like cheaters. Yes. Uh, like, right. So he was like, they're coming to him already at a disadvantage because they're like, quick, grab the next Russian athlete. And like, so what do you think since your whole country is a doping disaster? Yeah. Yeah, he's you know. he's ranked number two in the world. So there you go. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm trying to find the actual question. Here it is. Are the Russian Olympic team athletes carrying a stigma of cheaters in these games after the scandal? And how do you feel about it? And this is essentially a this is a trap question. It's poorly worded and it's a thinly veiled anyway. He answers insult. It's, it, yeah. I mean, what am I reading? Uh, the the the. I, I'm reading. It's like Soviet paper. We tell you outcome before it yeah. begins. No, I yeah. was going to say it's like reading uh, the New Testament, where the Pharisees ask any or the Sadducees ask any question at all to Jesus at any given time. And it's a trap any way question. he answers it, he's doomed. It's like yep. people forget, like when the you know all these Christians go out of whack about the question where the Sadducees are like, which woman will he be? She be you know husband mm-hmm. to or the wife of, and whatever, and you're like, no matter how Jesus answers it, the question is already set up to fail because the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So the moment he's like, the first husband, well, you're doomed because you just agreed she rose from the dead. Well, and even <laughs> think about even think about the other, the other gymnasts for the U.S. All of a sudden, their story became about performing without... Her and not them performing not on their own merit. Correct. Yeah. They earned silver without her. It could have been worse if she had played... Or sorry, if she had if she had gone out and actually, but now think nobody's going to celebrate. They're like, well, they only made silver because mm-hmm. Simone wasn't that. You know, now it's like, no, we worked hard and got silver. I don't. Yep. Despite that, and having to pick up ever, the slack basically from a t- being a team member down at the last second, and the other kicker, and no one's talking about the lady that had to fill in for her, the alternate. No. I don't think I've even heard who it is. No, she that, actually. I need to look up her name again. That's yeah, a great point. That's a great point. Um, because I never heard anything in the media about the one that came off the alternate list to take her spot. Yeah, that. Uh, let me. Somebody's I'm at that the, really think quick. about it. Th- think about this. Can you imagine if you're the alternate to Simone? Like you're going to the Olympics, and I'm sure you're working hard and stuff, but you're like, I am not going to get a chance to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like you're the alternate for the greatest of all time. Like, are you really gonna get to perform? You know, but, yeah. But you still have to be at the top of your game. And this person had to come out and perform unexpectedly and still help the team get silver. And I've heard nothing about who it is. No, there was a couple Absolutely articles, nothing. but I'm having trouble finding them. I actually well, you remember see, and reading It's even this. hard to find on Google. Um, <laughs> yeah, this just, is actually a, really sad. annoying. But there was someone from. It may have been. Yeah, let me. I'm, I think I'm getting there. But the kicker to me in all of this too is if she had performed and had had something terrible happen, the the reaction would have been, if she knew that her mental health wasn't there, she shouldn't have performed and put the U.S. In, at risk like this. You know that she would have been slammed this for This isn't a military situation. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that like, the U.S. is at risk. What, are we going to get nuked when our team doesn't <laughs> perform right? I mean... You know. Obviously. Um, but that's a real thing. It, it, I... I can absolutely see happening if she had tried to do this, had something serious happen, and it came out that she was having the twisties, that she did, that she still tried to perform. No one would be like, well, I'm really glad you tried. They'd be like, why didn't she withdraw and let a gymnast more capable in that time that didn't have yeah, the twisties? Yeah, if she'd gotten up and broken something, we'd all be like, why did you do this to the team? Or she couldn't win anyway. Or didn't win. If she just didn't win, if she didn't perform to the level we all expect her to, then there still would have been, like, there was no winning for her. So why put your body in it's a lo- if it's a lose lose then at least pick the way you're going to lose. And that's what Simone did is she picked you mean a, a woman life. and a person of color took agency over yes. their own life in a national setting. <laughs> that's absolutely horrible. I refuse yep. to believe that is that is the case. No. <laughs> <laughs> um no, absolutely. But it's true. Um and, and I, I could easily see that reality happening, and it's tragic to me. And I think we need to have it. We do this with public figures of in all different types of environments, in all different sports, in all different platforms. We do this all the time, and and we say if you can't take the pressure, then like that's the job, right? But it's not like there's a million people who've had the job before, so it's really really hard to like you really don't know until you're in it. 
what it's like. I can't explain to like I can't. There are times where I wish that I could let someone else experience a day in my own head or a day with the back pain that I've had to deal with for the last several years. The amount of nights where I've been literally um, crying and fighting just and and screaming into a pillow out of pain that no one knows about and that I I understand why back pain is one of the most debilitating things and why your mental health takes a nosedive because when you can't move and when you're in pain constantly, that wears you down so much. And it's not something that you really understand until you are in it. You think I could take it or I could do it. Or you watch, you watch uh, any sport and you think I could make that shot. I could make that catch. I could make that throw. I could, I could make that, that I could get that ball. You think that all the time, but like you're at home, not doing it. Someone way high, more highly qualified than you couldn't get it. Couldn't make the shot. Yeah, they couldn't call make it the Monday throw. morning quarterback syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just is nice. Um, it, it just is. We project, I think our own dissatisfaction with ourselves and where we are in our own lives onto these people. We put them on pedestals that they don't necessarily need to be on. Um, let me, I, I'll put it this way. They, we put them on extra pedestals. I think there is something to be said of you, you representing your country in the Olympics. That's a pedestal. I'm mm-hmm. not saying we idolize you or like, I'm not, I'm not trying to go into 10 commandments territory here. I'm just saying like, there is a pedestal that you're on when you're doing yeah. that. That's an honor. That is a, that is a, that is recognition. That is an affirmation of your ability as an athlete. I don't want to take that away. I'm just saying, let's not give people extra pedestals to stand on that they didn't ask for and that they didn't need to be on. And we just do it because we're dissatisfied with our own lives. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to find this athlete. It's really hard to Google and talk at the same time. Uh, yes. Well, while you're doing that, let me say something as a side yeah. note that isn't Simone specific, but I think it does point out something else I found ironic when we were thinking about this and discussing it as a topic. I find it fascinating that this is the first Olympics I can think of in my lifetime, which admittedly is not the longest lifetime in the world, but in the, the modern Olympics, everyone's talking about the first COVID Olympics and this, that, and the other, but all of the stories, or at least the majority of the stories, let's put it this way, the majority of the stories coming out of this Olympics is about individual athletes or topics like with Simone, with emotional well-being and stuff like this, and how they're performing or how they're coping and how they're not. And there's a lot less national stories. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is a whole lot less. The U.S. team is, I mean, and partly that could be because the U.S. is not racking in as many golds as we're used to doing this Olympics. Uh, but that being said, what I find ironic about that is that the modern Olympic Games, this is the kind of the historian in me, but in the last hundred years or so, the modern Olympics were actually orchestrated to be more about individual feat, the human story about humanity overcoming and performing and doing this, that, and the other. And it was really only in the Cold War in the last 50 to 60 years that it became a national competition in the sense of the U.S. versus the Soviets or, you know, France versus whatever. And it was was always... That was only a relatively modern story where we viewed the Olympics as this is telling about a nation. Mm -hmm. This is telling about... Does this per, the country have soft power? Does this country is it able to outperform the other one? And so, in a weird way, I think it's kind of interesting from a from a historical perspective. This Olympics is one of the first ones to go back to the idea that really disappeared after the great thirty six Olympics in in Berlin. Mm. Most people forget when you think about the great story of Jesse Owen with the fact that the Nazis were trying to turn this into a national story where it was yep. the German team, it was the Aryan race that was able to do whatever. And here you had a person of color in the U.S. that outruns every single person in the competition and wins gold in the heart of an organization and a nation that was trying to say that he was garbage and should not be able to match the Aryan strength of whatever, right? And and that story was all about personal triumph and humanity and look what it's able to do against such evil. And then after the war, we lost sight of that because of the Cold War. Mm. And well, obviously the Cold War has been done now for about 20 years, even though it sounds like some of these tropes are being recycled for now, China versus the West. And, and, you know, it's like some of that generation still feels a need to like, let's have that argument again, but that's a different topic for another time. 
but I, I'm just amazed that the personal stories coming out of this, that this Olympics has all been about personality. It's all been about what are these athletes going through? What are they accomplishing? What are they not? And I mean, there's been some of the stories, like you said, with the Russian Olympic Committee and them trying to, the press trying to go about stigmas about a nation as a whole. But even that is a stigma about something that a majority of them have been doing, but not necessarily a nation doing versus the other. So I'm buying you time talking about this side. No, thing. I have it. Just, I'm good. It, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, a yeah. thought I wanted to throw out there. I do find it interesting, the, the personal nature of this Olympics now versus the, yeah. the, the national. You know, you mentioned it when you were like, well, she's letting America down. I haven't heard as much of that because I didn't go into this Olympics really thinking about this is reflective of the entire nation of whatever. No, this is an athlete. This is just the athletes we sent. So anyway, who's the name of this person? Did you find it? All right, Keith, you're good. Do your thing. Thank you for doing that quietly, by the way. I appreciate it. Yeah, sorry. No, I knew you had to go to work right about now. I, yeah, you're I fine. I finished my thought, we, which I should have finished sooner, and we'll just edit that right. out. Yeah, I'm just going to edit a cut right there. You were fine, you dude. You were good, bro. I hope you blasted off somebody else's rifle barrels just to survive. Yeah, do your thing. Then I will tell you who it was. I need to pause this. I won't lie, I'm kind of tempted to keep this table out here. You're fine, Never man. Mind. You're good. We're chilling. Yeah, see, imagine you trying to do all this quietly. That's why I stopped. See you, man. <coughs> Still got to wait a second. Okay. Yes, I do know who it is. Sorry yes. for the cut. Yeah. My housemate had to uh, had to run off to work and had to come downstairs, and there was a lot of noise, so we just... Don't worry. This is the Absurdity Podcast, so always with reassuringly low production value, but <laughs> high content. Yeah. <laughs> um, but high-value content. <laughs> Michaela Skinner. So Michaela Skinner was a 24-year-old gymnast. Was? She's dead? Um, I guess she is. I don't yeah. know. Maybe her birthday was between then and now, and now she's... Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I don't know. The we would love to have one of these. But she is a she's a 24 year old gymnast from the University of Utah, and she was um, she was in Tokyo for qualifiers, and she failed to qualify. Pretty sure she came in like 11th uh, or eighth, and and so she failed to qualify. She was whatever for, position is right below the cutoff. Yes, <laughs> basically, and. So she, but she was forced to leave the country within 48 hours of that happening. So she couldn't even stay by and she ran the U.S. Because if you're not team. on the team, they don't want you in because of COVID. Yeah. Yep. And this would have been her last Olympics or last shot at it, basically, because oh, wow. of I didn't her know age that. too. Yeah. This this was this was it for her. So when Simone Biles withdrew, she actually, according to ESPN, she actually insisted that someone reach out to Skinner immediately. 
and get her back. So she got on a plane, came back, and then competed? Yep. Uh, Why did well, nobody no, tell so she It was right before. She was preparing for her flight home to Arizona. Oh, so she, oh. she got to stay. She did get to stay. Um, she didn't have to turn around, but... But still, why didn't I hear this story? Why is everyone going to be like, hey, man, I did country down. Like, why didn't I get to hear about this girl? Yep. Woman, excuse me. Now, and here's what's crazy. Going from failure to qualify to finishing with a silver medal. On your last chance at the Olympics. On your last chance at the Olympics. Come on. That's an amazing... That's an amazing story. story. And makes you you question the... How does that not show the power of America? Yes. The tenacity, the overcoming, that you have, everybody has a shot. Literally of of Bile saying, this is who's going to replace me. Get them over here. And she's the one who actually tells, uh, tells Michaela Skinner that, that she was going to replace her. Like this is, this is an act of empowerment. This is an act of handing off a baton. Person of color empowering a white person. I know. You know what I mean though. Um, Uh, You know, woman, woman empowering a woman. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the. The like that's incredible that she ends with a silver medal makes you really wonder what the usefulness of qualifiers are. (laughs) Well, I I don't know if I go that far. It just it just tells you think about how many qualified people we have. She missed out on the. Think about it at that level. Is it really that you suck, or is it just that there's so many people? Because you know, everyone is just that much. Well, no, I'm serious because as I said, when I was watching over in this far east country here in Europe. And was watching stuff, and you know their teammate were getting beaten. It, it was really hard when your family, you have, my in-laws are citizens of a different country, and you're watching in their house their Olympic coverage of their team, and one of their athletes is competing against an American, and you're like, who do I cheer for? Yep, I was really, <laughs> I was like really torn because I was like, no, but ah, no. but my point is, I was even watching when they were losing, and it was like a fifth of a second. Yeah. Was the difference between like the gold medal and somebody who didn't medal at all. Mm-hmm. A fifth of a second. So, you know, you're making that comment, but I mean, how good is this girl still? I mean, yeah, she quote didn't qualify, but obviously she, when she was pulled in, she was able to help a team get to a silver medal still. So, I mean, how mm-hmm. good are the good that we send and how many good ones are just don't make it by half a second or And she a didn't qualify in 2016. So this really was her last go. This was it. And just incredible to me. And, like, and I never heard this story. I don't know why. I, if any of you out there, since statistically our YouTube analytics say there's a ton of women that watch this show for whatever reason, if anybody knows this girl, could you like reach out? This would be the coup of the century for the, this podcast. <laughs> could someone get her love. on this podcast, yes. please? Even for five minutes, just a five minute segment, and then we'll talk about what she said afterward. But that's um, an awesome story. Yes. We'd also I, take incredible. Simone, too, if anybody knows her and for some yeah, reason just is some watching Yeah, random absurdity. nobody podcast. We'd love right, to talk right. to yeah, them. Yeah, that would be amazing. I, I, yeah, I, I would absolutely love to talk ADHD with Simone, too. Ooh, uh, and that'd just, be a just scoop. Not, not even, regardless of Olympics, we I would love to, to just talk about her, her, her journey and, and her... This is an incredible story, and I think it's something we're celebrating. And I feel bad that I couldn't remember. I'm really glad I remembered that there were stories about this. I just couldn't remember offhand who right, it was. Right, right, right. So it just job, took man. me a second. Um, but really, really glad for that. And your tenacity paid off. I think. I think this entire saga is a is a moment for us to uh, remember to have a little bit more patience, a little bit more empathy, a little bit more, a, and, and a little bit more understanding for people who have any sort of pressure in any environment. And sometimes that pressure is just trying to get out of bed. Sometimes that pressure is having the entire weight of your country on your shoulders as you perform. And, I can't even imagine. And seek to compete. Either way, if it's not your pressure, it's not yours to judge. Like, I, it just isn't. And yes, it's the job. Yes, She it's, didn't it's, murder it's, somebody, so yeah. why are we putting so many... If anything, her decision empowered someone else, gave someone else a shot at their dreams that they didn't have, and ensured that the team could carry on. (laughs) Yes, she's definitely going to get another Olympics. I'd be surprised if she didn't. Um, And secured her the opportunity to take care of her long-term future over her. I can think of one person in particular, once again, all back to tennis, Um, but I can think of one person in particular who this was true for, and that's Rafael Nadal who I believe it's in the early or mid 2000s had to sit out of Wimbledon because of an ankle issue. Yeah. And he said, I'm backing out because I want to value my long-term career 
over my short term over a short term win in glory. And now he has 20 grand slams. Yes. And is up there with the I big mean, he's three. Always, that's the big three. Yep. And there's Djokovic, Nadal, Federer. And Federer. And there's another tennis player who just turned 20 this week. And this is August the, 5 that we're recording this. He's one of the up and coming. He's ranked 23 in the world, decided to take tennis seriously at 13, and has now just turned 20. He's ranked 23 in the world. He bowed out of the Olympics because he said, uh, in representing Italy, Yannick Sinner is his name. He bowed out because he said, I'm, I'm in a rut. I'm, something's wrong. I'm, I'm off my game and I need to get back into form. I'm not, I wouldn't be confident representing the country in the current state that I'm in. And he actually played in the Atlanta open last week, uh, in, in Atlanta, two hours South of where I live and, um, lost in like the second or third round. And you could tell he's just not where, what he, he's not playing up to the level he should have been. Although who could in Atlanta? And he, so he said, I'm focusing on my long-term career. I'm 19. I'm 20. I have so many years ahead of me and so many more opportunities to represent my country at the Olympics at this level. Let me do that. Well, this is something to be said about advocating for yourself, folks. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the other. That was the other lesson that that I was going to bring up, which is the importance of taking care of yourself and listening to your body. Because if you won't take care of yourself, no one else is going to. And I don't mean that in a self-centered, narcissistic way, but I'm just saying you've got to. I mean, even the Lord said this: "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself." Mm-hmm. A love for yourself, a healthy love for yourself, is a Christian imperative. I have a healthy love for yourself, Henry. And I love you too. I even told you last night, even though I haven't seen you in person in over a year, I said, hey man, if you're really tired and just need to sleep when you get here, don't feel the need to be a good guest. Just go to sleep and relax. Of course, recover. it was all that he had sticky notes everywhere leading me to his bedroom. Yeah, it was very strange. Um, I wonder how that could have happened. The, um, the, Just so you know, his wife and I are on great terms. The, yes. I am... I can't stress the importance enough of knowing your own limits, of listening to your own body and taking care of yourself. You owe it to yourself. And the, I will say this, the best friends that you can possibly have are the ones that know how to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. The best thing you can do for the people in your life is take care of yourself. And that, that, that remains true. When my housemate was going through several health issues Earlier this year, there were several times where I had to wake up at three in the morning and take him to the ER, 2 a.m. having to take him to the ER. When we sat down, worked out some budget stuff, worked out some, worked out some, some diet stuff as well for him, um, things turned around. And now I, I can, like, a lot, there's still some health issues. He's actually looking at getting his tonsils removed too. And, and the, the reality is his, he's doing much better. And because he's doing much better, he's a better housemate and he's a better friend because he no longer, like I no longer have to put everything in my life on pause to make sure that he's okay. And that's an important thing. Like if the best thing that you can do for yourself and for the people around you is take care of yourself. And that's not saying you can't ever ask for help when you need it, but rather preventing those situations that are unnecessary um, and, and that are preventable is really important. And Simone, the best thing that she could do for herself and her country and her team was to step down and give someone else a shot. And they still got silver. Y'all can y'all can shut up because they still got silver. Silver I, in a global sport. Yeah. I, folks, it was not gold. Um, are you ever gonna have a silver medal? You're not even gonna have a medal. I don't the think US the US isn't gold in like a- anything. <laughs> I'm not I don't mean Olympics. I just mean in almost any global statistic. Other than people imprisoned, <laughs> well, oh, mercy. per capita. I mean, but here's the thing. Do, well, now you're getting philosophical in another way. Do we really want perfect? Because then there's no room to grow. There's no room to have an opportunity. It's there, not there's fun. no beauty. There's no beauty in one sense without variety and opportunity. And anyway, yep. now we're getting waxing philosophical at whatever. But it's been yeah. fun. I know we started with Simone. We kind of talked all things Olympics and athletes, Adam. But. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, thank you for this tennis-themed conversation uh, about Simone Biles. I mean, we were whacking uh, it back and forth, never hit yeah, the net. It was, was great. Um, I I really do appreciate the conversation, and I hope that everyone can take something from it. Um, I didn't have my second dose of my ADHD medication today, so if that's why I was a little extra squirrely, 
yeah, that that if if I was a little extra squirrely, that's why. And by um, the way, if you want to continue to talk about taking better care of yourself and some ways to do that, please not only subscribe down below, but go check out last week at the time that we were recording yes. this last week's episode, which and and this was part of us again talking about as we we opened up not taking care of ourselves the best or, or or whatnot. But that is one of the best interviews I think we have ever done on this podcast. That's my favorite. That's one. Of, that's it's my one favorite. One of my interview. favorite. And I, and I feel bad that now we're fighting YouTube algorithms because of the three weeks that something mm -hmm. wasn't posting. Now it forgot to tell people. So we got to really push this. You do not want to miss that. Yeah, with Tyler Patrick, building resilience to shame, dealing with shame, yes. processing it, um, identifying it. Everything. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist in U or in. I think he's in Utah or from Utah and in Idaho. I think that's what something it is. like that. Um, but we, we introduced him at the beginning of the video, yeah, so we're going to go check our yeah. own video out. Why don't you yeah. back up and but go, go check, check it, it out? out. <laughs> we'll put a link to it as well in the show notes and description. Go yeah. check that out. You do not want to miss that one as well. So thank you, everyone, so much for watching, Henry. Thank you for being here in my house and in my presence. Always good and, to be here with you, um, Sugar. Thank you for being here. It's my dog chilling next to me, looking out the window. Um, and for everyone, thank you so much for watching. Make sure to, to like, subscribe, leave a comment, let us know your thoughts, and let's start a discussion in the comments. Henry and I are both reading them very actively. And with that, we'll see you next week.